Welcome to Tap the Craft, an informational podcast about craft beer, targeting the everyday beer drinker. My name is Denny Luce, and joining me tonight is my co-host and drinking buddy, John Ream. How are you doing tonight, John? I'm doing wonderfully. Uh, weather was great here, had a brew day, made an IPA. Oh, nice. Uh, so everything is turning up beer today, so I'm ready to go. Well, good, good. You getting enough sleep, too? I mean, if you're, if you're able to brew beer, that must mean things are going well in the, in the, in the household. Uh, things are going well, not in the sleep department, but otherwise. Okay. Yes. Um, but you know, you learn to cope. Yeah. Oh yeah. Co- yeah. Coping for sure. What, you want to mention what IPA, what type of type of IPA you're brewing today? Sure. So I uh, just bought a whole ton of ton of hops mm-hmm. uh, this year, um, and I got a, quite a few that I never used before. So I've done a couple single hop IPAs to just test them out. So tonight oh. I did uh, an IPA with El Dorado, mm-hmm. um, which is a newer hop that I haven't played with. And it's supposed to be, I think, kind of tropical fruit kind of uh, character. It smelled awesome when I opened up the package, just the, the raw hops. So I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know what? That's a, a great way to do it when you're experimenting with new hops. You might as well do some single hop stuff just so you can exactly see, uh, you know, how that that hop tastes and, and what it does to the beer. Now, when you do a single hop uh, beer, are you using it just in the in the boil process for the bittering and whatever flavor it brings out? Or do you also, you know, try to do some dry hopping or anything with it? I do a little bit of everything with it. Okay. Just to see see what happens. So. All right. All right, nice, nice. Well, that uh, you know, that kind of segues right into to what Tap the Craft is all about. And we are an educational podcast, and we focus on bringing more people into the craft beer hobby. And John and I, we are both craft beer enthusiasts. What that means is we love to drink, we love to learn about and talk about craft beer. And hey, just to let you know, we are not experts. Uh, and we have been known sometimes to let our uh, personal opinions overshadow the pure facts. And again, that's mostly on my side because John is all about the facts. Uh, we are here to help you learn about craft beer hobby in easy-to-understand terms. Also, each episode has show notes describing the content and beers mentioned. You can find them right in the, uh, the, the file that you download. If you're listening to it on iTunes, uh, just go ahead and look at the description. You can see about everything we're talking about. We also, we encourage our listeners to write into the show and provide your experiences and your knowledge and to ask the questions that you want answered on our show. Once a month, we also do a listener participation tasting note segment where we have you, the listener, drink along with us as John and I describe the tasting experience. And you know what? This episode, we are having just one of those beer tasting uh, participations with the Whitmere Brothers Hefeweizen. And uh, this is going to be our first wheat beer tasting. So, uh, you know what? If you haven't already gone out and grabbed your beer, uh, you have time right now. Because probably in the next uh, 15, 20 minutes, uh, we'll be doing that that tasting note. So, go out to the store and find some Whitmer Brothers Hefeweizen. Or a six-pack, hopefully. Also, we invite our listeners to help support the show by taking just a few minutes out of your time and writing an iTunes review. This will help us get the show featured in iTunes, and that helps widen the show out to more audience. And this is episode 15, and we're recording on Sunday, February 15th, 
2015. Wow, that's a lot of 15s. And in this episode, <laughs> we will be discussing hops. Hops, how, how they're used in the brewing process and actually how they change the craft beer world in, in certain terms. And again, we're also going to have our listener participation tasting notes with the Wimmer Brothers Hefeweizen. Well, look, it's happy hour, and a craft beer show wouldn't be much of a show if we didn't drink some beer. So, John, what are you drinking tonight? So, usually when we do these tasting shows, I like to branch out and have something else before the, the tasting. Um, so, I open my fridge, and I've got IPAs and Imperial Stouts and Sour Beers, and I'm looking at the, the Hefeweizen, and I'm thinking, <laughs> I will not be able to taste that beer if I drink any of this stuff. So... <laughs> Uh, tonight I am sticking with the the half uh, the Widmer half from the beginning to the end, so I'm getting the the full experience. Okay, I can appreciate that because on a few shows I've done the same thing. I just wanted to get more of the beer that we're that we're drinking. So and plus, you know, sometimes I get a little lazy. Uh, so, <laughs> so I understand, no problem. Next time, maybe you can go out to the store and find some some uh, complimenting beers that you can have on the show too. Just yeah. You know, it's always good to yeah. have plenty of beer on hand. So that that goes back to the lazy thing. Yeah, uh, that's too yeah. <laughs> Okay, no problem, no problem. Well, I am drinking something different because I've been drinking the Hefeweizen, you know, throughout the day. Uh, but I am uh, I'm drinking a full sale brewing beer. Well, one of my favorites from them. It's their Double Bock. It's their Pub Series, and it is uh, it's it's very very tasty. I it's only available for ninety days. They only have it for 90 days, and then it's gone. You had to wait for the next year. So I've, I've, I've had a few six-packs of this. I thought that the 90 days was up, but when I went to the store and saw they still had uh, six-packs of it, I had to grab another one. So, John, um, over the last two weeks since we recorded, have you drank any noteworthy beers that you would like to discuss? So over the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, we've been uh, – learning life again with a newborn. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the trips to the store to get new things haven't been uh, very plentiful. But uh, <laughs> I uh, yesterday for for Valentine's, I I made made dinner and uh, paired our, our meal with a, a triple IPA oh. called uh, Hey Duke the Wrencher uh, from Snipes Mountain Brewing. And uh, the pairing actually worked really well. Uh, was uh, with some steak and and like a gorgonzola sauce, cheese oh, wow. sauce, and some broccoli and rice, and it, it worked really well. That the IPA was was really good. It wasn't uh, overly sweet, which a lot of these can sometimes be with all the extra malt mm-hmm. uh, in there. But I, I don't know that uh, many people will be able to find it outside of the Northwest. Mm-hmm. But uh, if, if you're around and you and you see it uh definitely recommend it so. wow yeah that, i was waiting to hear what you're gonna pair it with and when i heard steak i thought okay yeah steak would be good then i heard you threw that cheese and uh i just had some uh a dish that had it was also steak with some of that cheese sprinkled on top and it's good but my gosh that's some rich cheese too to uh, did, did it it didn't. You didn't find that the uh, the golden. I can't even say a gorgonzola cheese uh, was a little bit. Did it? It it actually matched well or complemented the the beer, or was it a, at times a little too much? Um, so it wasn't the straight up cheese. Uh, I made a cheese sauce with it. Um, oh, okay. So it, 
you know, melted into some like heavy cream, which kind of okay. mellowed. Uh, it took the sharp edges off. Okay. You know, okay. The cheese. So. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, because I was like, oh, when you said that cheese, I was like, oh my gosh, that's <laughs> that's going to be a uh, a real uh, palate. Uh, I don't know. I won't say record, but I mean, could be uh, very interesting on your palate. But okay, well, that's that's good. That's nice. Uh, you know what? We need to get back in. I, next episode, we need to go ahead and, and add to our food pairing segment because we've left that out a couple a couple shows. And I'm always interested in, in good pairings, uh, you know, with with what beer to drink with certain foods. So so now we know triple IPAs and steak go real well. Yeah, and I, I marinated the steak in some beer. I used some uh, some porter for the, oh. for the steak. So, all right. you know. Came nice. from all, all angles. Okay. <laughs> was that the portage uh, porter or was it a different porter? <clears throat> yes, it was. Okay. Yeah, the recipe actually called for a brown ale, but I didn't have that. So <laughs> the, the porter was uh, close enough. <laughs> okay. Nice. Nice. And that, all right. So that's the only that's the only uh, noteworthy one. Huh? Everything else is pretty generic. Yeah, everything else was yeah generic or, or homebrew. Okay. So. Okay. Um, I I have a few. Um, the one I'll talk about is one I just had Friday night, and uh, there's a little backstory to go along with this. My uh, daughter and her boyfriend came came up for the weekend uh, from college, and uh, on Friday night, uh, I decided to, to take them out with me to the the pub with some of my, my work colleagues, and we went and drank. Now, of course, my daughter's underage, so she couldn't drink, but I was proud. You know, my her boyfriend has not experienced any craft beer except for when he's been with me the last couple of times. So he's very interested in learning about it. And so I started off, I didn't want to, he doesn't like things bitter. So what the the beers on the list were, were pretty, a lot of them were a lot of IPAs, but they did have the a, a brown ale, and it was the, uh, it was a local one from Crooked Fence, I believe it was. And now I just can't think of the name, but... He got that first, and he's like, "Yeah, this is okay, but you know, it wasn't his thing." But and what I got was was one of the noteworthy ones was the Grand Teton Brewing, which is right here in Idaho, my favorite Idaho brewery. It's called. It was their barrel aged barley wine, and this barley wine was uh, brewed in 2012, and so it's two you know two years plus uh, old, and it was uh, aged in some bourbon barrels. No. Uh, not bourbon barrels. Was it bourbon? Yeah, it was bourbon because it had the bourbon flavor. Um, and it was fantastic. Very smooth, aged very well. Uh, no harshness whatsoever. And those bourbon notes really came out really nicely. And, uh, of course, you know, my daughter's boyfriend, you know, I, he's, he, he was interested in it because it came in a little snifter glass. He's like, wow, it looks like a fancy beer. So I let him smell it. He says, oh, it smells pretty good. So we'll go ahead and take a, take a sip. We took a sip and he really... He said, wow, I like this way better than this brown ale that I'm drinking. So he finished that brown ale. Then what did he do? He ordered up his own glass of barley wine. A new person to craft beer. Never even had craft beer before meeting me. And this is like his third craft beer or fourth craft beer ever. He drank that whole thing. He said that beer was fantastic. I I mean, I'm pretty impressed so far. And he's he's really eager to... To, to learn about craft beer and to uh, try new things. So uh, I thought that was pretty noteworthy there. I also had a couple. I've been trying to clean out my cellar the last few weeks. I, 
you know what? I told you guys I had like 10 or 12 bottles. No, I think I have closer to 20 bottles of things I'm selling, and I didn't even realize it. Uh, and things are just starting to really get backed up. So I've been slowly, you know, drinking these beers that are right around one year of aging, one to 12 months to 13 months. And so two of them were ones that I had only had in my possession for, I think, you know, for seven, six, six or seven months. But when I bought them, they were already aged for, uh, for about six months. And that's the Russian River Brewing Supplication and Sanctification uh, Wild Ales or Sour Ales. One was a, is a brown and one is a golden sour. And, man, you know what? Russian River, they know how to make some great sour beers. These, these things were, were just fantastic. Great aroma, great flavor, very special um, and they age really well, so I recommend anyone that has a chance of of grabbing these uh, to you know to go ahead and, and pick them up or or go to Russian River and drink them fresh. They're great fresh, they're and they're even good aged. And and John, I know that you were a little sad to see me drink these without you, but um, you know I was hoping to drink at least one or two of them with you when when you were visiting, but uh, it didn't happen. And I still have two more, so if you come real quick. Uh, we can share those last two before I, I just decide to drink them next month. So. Yeah, I, I remember this day. I, I saw the first one pop up on our tap. I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. And then you popped another one. I was like, oh, you're yeah, killing me. Yeah. And you just continued with your cellar yeah. clean-out project. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's getting crazy. I, I mean, I need to – I love saving beer, but there's a time when you just, you just got to drink it. And I think – you know, twelve to thirteen months is fine. I I don't need to age any longer, and I don't. I'm always afraid if I go too long, it'll it'll disappoint me. Uh, but uh, then another aged one. Now this is not a super special beer, but it's pretty good beer, fresh, and it's the Samuel Adams Thirteenth Hour Belgian Style Stout. And um, I've had the, a couple of these over the years, and last year. Um, one of my colleagues bought bought me a bottle for Christmas the year before last, 2013. And I thought, you know, I've had enough of these f- fresh. I want to go ahead and do an experiment and age one for at least a year. So I saved it for a year. And I popped it open. It was 13 months old. And I'll tell you what, this beer ages really well. And it uh, it it almost turned, turned into a uh, Belgian... Um, dark strong ale um, it's had mm. such great fruit flavors and I mean all the flavors just came out like crazy it was uh, really really good so I'm going to make a recommendation that anyone that, that can find these uh, these special Samuel Adams um, like this is the 13th hour they have other ones the new world and they, there's three of them all together I think they come out uh, I think once a year uh, go ahead and pick up a bottle and and save it for a year and see, you know, how it ages. Or go, grab two, drink one fresh, save one for a year. Uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed. I I was not disappointed. Now, the, the worst thing about this is it took me uh, actually on all three of these beers. It took me forever to get the corks out. These are all cork and cage bottles, and I I was sitting there. I just about got a hernia trying to pull these these corks out they are so tight uh, now that brings me a, a question john do you have any helpful hints on uh, on releasing a cork that's been stuck for a year 
I struggle just like everybody else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's maybe something we should look up and share yeah. with people. Okay. Okay. I, I could I could benefit from that knowledge too. But okay. um, yeah, the, these beers are really interesting, and and you'll definitely know if you see them on the shelf because the the bottles are very unique. Yeah. Um, they're kind of almost cone shaped, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Kind I, of the, the I th- base. Yeah. I think they kind of uh, make them in a, in the shape of a like an elongated brew kettle, you know, kind of thing, like the old style brew mm. kettles. I think that's what they are. I don't know. It's but they are very unique, almost like a bell. You know, take a handbell with the handle as the neck of the beer, and then the bell kind of flares out of the bottom. That's what the bottle looks like. It's kind of like a handbell ish looking bottle. But yeah, they're very unique. You'll know them when you see them. Um, the the beers fresh are really good, uh, aged really well also. So that's uh, my noteworthy beers since last episode. We do have a listener question just brought to us today. Thank you, Robert, aka TPS Sponge, for uh, for your question. The, his question is: What makes a beer an imperial or a double? And you know what? This is a this is a very good question. Because it can be misleading to a lot of people. Because whenever somebody sees an imperial or a double stamped on to a beer, they always want to think that it's special. And it should be special, right? Because these beers typically um, are higher in alcohol. I would say, and I don't know, John, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, you know, I think anything... To be to be even called an imperial or double, it has to at least be what above seven percent alcohol. Is that about a general rule? Um, probably kind of happens by default that way. I, I don't think that that's part of the definition, though. It's really just is it a a, a bigger, bigger version yeah. of whatever it is? Yeah. I mean, I, I've had imperial pilsners. You know, it's no such it's, thing. No, no, I, uh, I, I don't believe that could be even real. Uh, it is. It is. Um, and, you know, it's just, you know, bigger ABV, bigger, yeah, you know, and everything. And, um, but, yeah. I think I think that's, you know, the, the real gist of it. It's it's just a bigger version of whatever the base stout is. Mm-hmm. Um, and just seeing double doesn't mean it's, you know, double the alcohol no, or anything no. like that. It's, it's usually not the case. It's, you know, maybe 30 to 50% higher. Um so you know, from six to maybe eight or nine, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know, it, it's gonna. A lot, sometimes it'll kind of emphasize some of the characteristics. Um, so it'll be almost like a caricature, kind of, of the the base style. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one way to think of it. You know, when you're getting those pictures, you know, if you have kind of a big nose, you're gonna be drawn with a huge nose on your on your face. You <laughs> so little kind of. Uh, play those characteristics up a little bit more um, in a way to like emphasize it, um, you know, the, the, just to to kind of pay tribute to what makes that style that style kind of kind of thing. Okay, okay, yeah, I agree. I I think it's just uh, yeah, like you said, just a bigger a bigger version of whatever the style is. Um, one that throws me off is is you know one of my favorite beers is what. Well, for one thing, I love Arrogant Bastard L, and the Double Bastard, which is like the upped, amped up version of that, I love that one, I think, even more, because it's just a little bit smoother to me. But it's, you know, it's the Double Bastard, but the beer, to me, tastes 
a lot different than the base beer that it was supposed to be doubled, you know, as. And I don't know if that one really falls into the double or imperial category of that, or it's just as a na- play on a name that, that, hey, this is our regular bastard, this is our double bastard, and maybe they're not supposed to be exactly, you know, kind of the same recipe. Yeah, I don't think they would be designed to taste the same. Um, you know, it's just kind of more, something along that same vein as mm-hmm. the the arrogant bastard, just a bigger beer. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Now, here's one thing that uh, could confuse people too: is that uh, the Russian Imperial Stout um, is not is is a, is its own style. It's not really an imperial double it's the name of the stout that came from the what what from the imperial russian uh whatever uh i don't know it can't it but the name isn't necessarily imply that it's a double stout or an imperial stout it's the actual russian imperial is the is the 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 name of where the origins of this beer uh came from right uh but just by chance, the beer does. It is a bigger <laughs> beer. Than any other beer yeah, right it now. is. So yeah, um, it's still it, it, it falls in line. But that's not. You're right. That's not where the name comes yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. So. But and you're right. I've never seen a Russian Imperial Stout that was less than, I mean, nine percent or. I mean, pretty much they're ten percent or above for most of them. It seems like it's just they're always big beers. Uh, one of the reasons why I love them is that they're they've got such great flavor. And, and good alcohol content. All right. Well, hey, thank you, Robert. I hope this helped answer your question uh, about what an imperial or double is. Uh, and, and just in case you were wondering what a triple is, just uh, add another another one to it. <laughs> it's triple, yeah. triple the – it's even bigger. It's like double bigger. Yeah, well, that can be thought of. I mean, uh, oh, this would have been a really good example to start with. Um, you think of the the Belgian double and the Belgian triple mm-hmm. and the Belgian quad. Yeah. I mean, those are all in the same vein. Uh, each one stepping up in higher gravity, higher you know, yeast character, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's and that's how those names were derived. They were just stepping up each uh, each way. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you, Robert, for your question. All right, now it's time for the Brew Buzz segment. And what is the Brew Buzz? The Brew Buzz is devoted to discussing all types of beer-related topics. And in this week, we are going to discuss hops. Hops and how they're used in the brewing process. And uh, before we get started on, you know, the different styles of hops and things, you know what? We need to kind of go over a little background on how they are are actually used in the brewing process, and there's several reasons or several purposes for hops in the, in the beer. So for one, uh, and probably the number one reason, is that they provide a bitterness to the beer that, to counter the sweetness that's added by the malt sugars. And this enables us to balance the beer so that you don't have it too sweet, uh, you know, because no one wants to drink, you know, a bunch of cough syrup. So you add the bitterness in there, it kind of balances it out but of course you can always go a little too much and make the the beer too bitter Uh, of course some of us really enjoy uh, bitter beer especially ipa so um, the hops are added during the boiling process and the longer that the hops are actually in the the boil then the more bittering occurs certain hops will have a you know as john mentioned in previous episodes the the key factor of what the hop provides are, are alpha acids 
And certain hops have more of these acids that uh, can be, uh, I don't know, there's a word used for it in the, in the process of boiling, how it brings out these uh, these acids. You know what that process is, John? Yeah, it's isomerization. So they're isomerized alpha acids are what provide the bitterness. Wow, you, you're right on key. You're, you're great. Thank you for for uh, you know for saving me on that, but yeah, they and so so certain hops have more of these alpha acids, uh, you know, somewhere around ten percent or more that uh, that that are best used during the bittering process. And uh, the typical boil time, I mean, again, typical average is sixty minutes, but you know what? It can range anywhere from forty five minutes to ninety minutes, and even up to one hundred and twenty minutes for for certain beers. And you know, a famous beer out of Vermont. Uh, dogfish head they are known for their various boil times on their their hops with their what do they have 75 60 75 90 and 120 minute uh ipas yeah and before we get letters it's delaware they're from delaware um are they from delaware yeah oh oh my gosh sorry sorry for anyone uh i guess i just for some reason i thought they were from vermont okay yeah right on the beach there in delaware um but uh, so you mentioned wanting these hops that are higher in alpha acid, and a big reason for that is so brewers don't have to use as much. You know, the, the less hop material, you know, it's less cost that you have you have mm-hmm. um, for for the hops, and and you don't have as much that you're having to add. Okay, so, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. So John, uh, that, those are the bittering type of hops. What what other type of hop, uh, or what else do we use the hops for in the brewing process? So the other um, area that hops provide is, is that aromas and flavors, um, and and these we've we've mentioned. You know, you'll you'll add them towards the end of the boil, uh, usually 15 to 20 minutes and less. Um, a 15 to 20 minute range is going to kind of be your flavor uh, hops, and then as you get closer to zero uh, left in the boil, um, that's going to give you more aroma. Um, and that's just as the hops are in there, the oils are breaking down mm-hmm. um, that provide this the aroma and flavor. So mm-hmm. the longer it's there, the less that it that is present. Yeah. Um, so and you know they can brewers can can kind of build up these hop profiles that we have in our IPAs and pale ales, and by by mixing different types of hops, um, you know, either throwing a bunch in at the same time or you know layering hops at different times. Um, and just kind of give you a, a more balanced approach. Uh, and a, another, you know, practicality uh, standpoint of it that, that they would do this is to kind of protect themselves. You know, hops are an ag- agricultural product. You're not necessarily going to get the same mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. you know, every year. So yeah, if you yeah. if you're using a blend, uh, then you're you're a little more protected if you know, say, one hop has a particularly bad harvest or a, b- a bad crop year. You know, you can you'll have more flexibility in how you change it up than if you're really counting on maybe just one or two hops. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, yeah, great kind of point. A, yeah, it covers their own behind. Yeah, yeah, because I guess you, I, you're right. It is an agricultural crop that can change depending on the weather, even right. I mean, you may have a uh, a different uh, summer type you know maybe it's uh, el nino or el nina and things just aren't the same or they don't have the same amount of water or you know maybe some kind of volcanic uh, eruption occurs and now they've just added more 
you know, different kinds of minerals and things to, into ah, the That escalated so. quickly, Denny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you're right. It, it it could it could change, right? Or what's even worse is now you have something like happened in my area where a harp hop farm uh burnt down. And now yep. you can't get that hop because it's no longer being able to be manufactured for a year because they've got to build back up their their production, uh, you know, their their farm and their equipment and everything. Uh, and now you've got to substitute it with something else. It's yeah, it could definitely be a challenge to f- if you just use one hop to match that beer taste uh, with another hop. All right, what's the John? What's the third thing that uh, we can use uh, hops for in the brewing? So the the last thing really is uh, they act as a preservative. Um, it helps keep the beer from spoiling. Uh, a lot of uh, bacteria and things won't survive uh, with the hops. Um, and, you know, that's early on how uh, hops were used a lot. They, um, you know, brewers noticed that the more hops they added, the longer the beer lasted. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would add a bunch of hops, you know, uh, to the cask or the barrel, um, and you know, send it out so to keep the beer, you know, supposedly fresh. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, at least from from spoiling. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so uh, nowadays that's not as important. You know, we keep things cold. We have refrigerated transport. You know, it's, spoiling isn't as big of a of an issue anymore. Um, but uh, you know that that act of adding these um, hops to the to the cask or the barrel after fermentation and sending it out is what, you know, kind of turned into dry hopping, which mm-hmm. is used all the time and which we've, we've talked about um, on the show. So mm-hmm. that dry hopping gives you a whole bunch of aroma, a little bit of flavor, um, and it's about as fresh of a character as you're going to get in, mm-hmm. a, in a beer uh, from a hop standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought that was pretty interesting that, that in my you know way I see it is that the the modern day brewer kind of took this this act that was going on back in the in the dark ages and uh, and and made it their own you know they said hey you know what by putting these things in it this actually changes the flavor and makes it pretty damn good and now all of a sudden dry hopping is like you know almost every brewery you know does some form of dry hopping at least one of their beers because of the the fact that it adds some great flavor I thought. That was kind of cool, you know, that, uh, you know, something was done in early days just to preserve purposes is now being done to just enhance the beer uh, as a whole. So Awesome. Well, you know, um, there's there's a few ways that we can use uh, or forms of hops that we can use in our in our beer brewing process. And it uh, it can be either a whole a whole uh, hop cone, like a whole cluster a pellet form or an extracted form. So we'll just go over real quickly what each of these are. So the the one that is, of course, the easiest to understand is is using the whole hop cones. And these are typically uh, dried uh, cones. Uh, and, you know, we've mentioned in previous episodes that you can also use fresh hopped, which means they, they come straight from the farm. Within the same day, they're put in the beer, and you get this more wet, earthy, uh, flavors from the from the hop oils when they're fresh versus the dried. Um, this type of of hop um, form provides the best aroma character and, and is really the ideal uh, form to use for your dry hopping needs. 
just because of the the you know of the uh, the the, cl- the cones and stuff. Uh, they're also they're very easy to remove from the wort. Uh, that's one thing I noticed when John and I were doing our home brew at, at his place is that we used you know the the hot pellets and sure enough that stuff separates and gets gunk all over the place and really can cause havoc on trying to you know to to get the beer out through some hoses and some pumps and stuff when when it's stuck all over the the filters so it's definitely you know you can easily go in there and scoop out these hop cones a, a little easier but you know what there's also some disadvantages one being that it's a little bit more difficult to store these big whole bags of of coned hops uh you know they got to be kept in in some kind of a refrigerated area uh they can't be kept as long because the longer it goes, the more the that oils and those flavors leaves the cone. Um, and you know what? From what I understand, it's a little bit harder to measure the you know get the right amount of hops you need because again, you know it's it's a it's it's a uh, it's a nature a nature's uh, whatever they decide that you know these things are going to be. They could be any kind of you know big size, small size. It's a little bit hard to, to get exactly the right measure you need um right yeah you're keeping all that leafy material and you know some hops could have a lot of that leafy material mm-hmm. and, but not as much you know uh, oils and such underneath so yeah yeah it, it does create a little bit more variability yeah there there is a, i just wanted to mention there's one brewery i know for sure that the only hop they use is the the whole uh hop cone and that's the shoots brewery in in bend and i was shocked when i went to visit them and they have their whole like hop hop uh, storage room and all they have they said all we use is the whole cone uh hop Uh, i thought that was pretty impressive they stuck to their way instead of taking maybe the easier route the easier storage with the other methods uh they they you know are stuck true to their their one type of uh beer brewing process so yeah, so I, I was going to mention that the only brewery I know that does this is Sierra Nevada. Um, I believe they are uh, only used whole hops as oh, well. So. All right, there's at least two. <laughs> yeah, there's at least two. I just did. So now we know that there's two that each. You know, John and I provide one each. And I know there's more. I'm sure there's more out there, but uh, those are two for that we know for a fact that that used the whole cone. So, John, what uh, what's the uh, the other more common form of hops? that we use in brewing. Yeah, so uh, you mentioned the, the pelletized hops, and uh, these are um, dried, and they're separated from a lot of the, the leaf material that kind of hones in on just getting those oils and uh, the acids there in, in, inside the hop. Um, and they're they're dried out, pressed, and just molded into little pellets uh, that are then, you know, packed into bricks and, uh, shipped out. I think, uh, on the commercial scale, they're, they're 11 pound bricks, um, of hops. Wow. Uh, so, um, but you know, the, they're more compact, uh, you know, easy to store. Uh, they're much more stable, um, having a lot of that plant matter taken away, um, and, uh, you know, really easy to measure just because the, the hop pellets, you know, while not all exactly the same because they get broken up and mm-hmm. things as they're packaged, but, you know, they're all relatively uniform and um, really easy to, to measure out. Uh, but, you know, they do come with drawbacks. Um, 
you mentioned when you add them to <laughs> to the liquid, they pretty much explode and <laughs> just send little particles of hot matter everywhere. Um, so uh, you know because of that, they're they're not really recommended for um, dry hopping because they can be difficult to get out of the beer. Um, and uh, but you know that doesn't stop me. I I tend to dry hop with them anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's partially because it's hard for me to get uh, whole hops that have been soaked in beer out of my fermenters because they're <laughs> you know, these carboys with narrow necks. And when yeah. you have a whole bunch of these things that have swelled up and you flip it over, they all just cram <laughs> and get stuck. Um, so I just kind of deal with the extra hop matter. And, you know, it, it'll settle out. And after a couple pints from the keg, you, you're not, you don't really get it anymore uh, in your glass. But uh, okay. yeah, but that's that's why they're not really wanted for that because they just kind of blow up and they're they're hard. You can't really contain them anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if you try to put them in a sack or anything, they just clog the sack and the, the beer doesn't get to anything in the middle, so oh, it's only okay. on the outside. You know, it's it's really um, not not ideal for okay. for that application. All right. Yeah. All right. But it is. It's if you're gonna do home brewing, that's pretty much the form you're gonna get them in, right? That's the that's the the easiest form that you guys are gonna be able to buy at homebrew stores. Is that correct? Uh, no, actually, we get uh, the the whole and pellet hops. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, uh, I imagine the pellets move a bit faster. Okay, <laughs> um, all right. Just because they're easier to deal with, but. Um, yeah, we, we have the, the whole hops available. Um, so a lot of people buy those just to dry hop or, you know, that kind of thing. But some people like to use them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not one of those people. Okay. Uh, I like my little pellets. Yeah. All (laughs) right. Hey, stick with what you're used to, what you know, that's, that's okay. All right. There's one other, the other, the other form we mentioned was the extracted, uh, the hop extraction, extracted hop. Which is basically hop oil that's extracted from the whole hop cones. They're kind of the cones are milled, then they're pressed together. And I think they're milled again, and then they're used in some kind of a like a CO two, uh, eva- you know, a process that basically extracts the oil from this material and then saves it as a liquid. And basic, it, it basically uh, captures all the benefits of using like a fresh hop cone in an easy to store. Uh, method uh, in the hop oil. Do you have any? Uh, I know. I don't know much about the the extracted hop thing. Do you have any other information on that, John? Or so these uh, I don't think are really available um, that much to homebrewers. I think a couple things have come to market recently, but uh, I so I don't have really have any experience with mm-hmm. these. But I, I do know that the you know you mentioned it's a CO two extraction mm-hmm. process mm-hmm. that these are you are generated from. Uh, that's relatively new. Uh, back when the uh, hop oils were originally uh, introduced, it was a, a chemical process, mm. and that made a lot of people nervous about um, whether they could use it, you know, in a, in a food application, yeah. you know, like beer. Um, and I think that's mostly gone away now, um, and it's just a CO2 extraction, uh, which you know doesn't have any of that concern, uh, you know, side effects uh, or anything like that. But um, you know, it's just a way for for breweries to you know get more hop character without having to have as much of that leafy 
plant matter, you know, in there. Yeah. Which if you have, you know, too much can give you kind of a, a grassy character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A really unpleasant vegetal, you know, thing. So, yeah. Yeah. There, there is one beer I know of that was made and basically just from hop oils and it's a Lagunitas beer called Hop Stupid. And uh, it was a, it's an interesting story that I actually heard Tony McGee, the, the CEO and, and founder of Lagunitas, he told the story on another podcast. Uh, and right now I'm, I'm forgetting the name of the podcast, but, uh, but it doesn't matter. But he said that uh, what happened is they got a really good deal on a bunch of hops, but they didn't have the brewing capacity to actually use them right away because they were doing other stuff. But they didn't want to. They wanted to help out the farmer, and they didn't want to. You know, they they wanted to. It was like a dual purpose. They needed the hops, but they didn't need them right now. And they wanted to help the farmer out so that he, you know, would be there for them later on. And basically, they decided to take these hops, buy them from them, and then extract all the the oil out of them, and save it. You know, freeze it or whatever they did. And then when they were ready, they would then brew a beer with it. And what they did is they made this beer called Hop Stupid, which is a fantastic IPA made out of just uh, the hop oils. And I thought that was kind of a, a neat story that he that he told. Have you, had you heard that story before, John? No, that's new to me. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. Have you had Hop Stupid? Yes, okay. I have. All right. Now, now when you drink one, you'll know that there's an actual story behind how that, that whole beer was... Uh, you know, came to be because of, again, Lagunitas is all about helping out the small farmer, and and uh, so yeah, little little interesting uh, story. So John, um, let's talk about some of these hops, and uh, I guess we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna break them down by region and uh, and just talk about some of the notable hops. So you want to talk about the American hops? Sure. So. Uh yeah, American hops, when they first started growing them, were regarded by, uh, you know, British brewers and, and European brewers as uh, unfit for beer and uh, things that should be just thrown away. <laughs> um, American hops are known to be more aggressive, um, stronger in, in flavor, and, and, you know, that's kind of what uh, turned off a lot of the, the European brewers. Um, if you If you think about... The different styles, you know, they, there's not many really hop-forward um, beers that mm-hmm. that come from from Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are beers that that you do have hop flavor and, and aroma in, but it's not really the 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 center of the beer. Um, so, you know, the, these American hops they they've come up, um, and you know, now there's there's kind of two two main families. Uh, citrus kind of citrus character hops and pine pine hops and i'm mostly talking about the the flavor and aroma Mm -hmm. um here you know there are other hops that are more neutral um that that may present some of these characters but really aren't used in that fashion as much and they're more for bittering um but you know you from a from a perspective of a consumer you can't really tell um so um not really going to focus on those because the the idea of this is more to to identify some of these things that that you like and um, that maybe you want to seek out. Uh, so I don't think anybody's going to go seek out any uh, bittering hops. Okay. <laughs> um, so the 
big families. There's the citrus and pine, like I mentioned, and and now from all these new breeding programs that are going on, um, there's some new uh, kind of a new classification coming in that's more of a tropical uh, fruit or stone fruit mm-hmm. um, type character, uh, which is where the the Eldorado that I mentioned earlier um, would fall. Um, and you know, there's some big regions. Um, that these are produced, uh, the big ones now are primarily in the Northwest, uh, Yakima Valley in Washington, uh, Willamette Valley, uh, in Oregon and, um, Canyon County, Idaho. Um, and I think Yakima, uh, Valley in Washington produces the majority of the mm-hmm. hops, uh, for the United States. Um, but you know, there's, there's a lot of smaller hop farms, um, popping up across the country now that are kind of trying to recapture uh, the hop industry that, that kind of moved west. You know, it hops were grown, you know, throughout the U.S. because, uh, you know, early on that's where the people were and that's where the beer needed to be. <laughs> um, so I, I know there's a lot of stuff popping up, like in Wisconsin, a lot of the Midwest, and, and I think New York has a, a new hop industry kind of uh, growing. So, hmm. um, you know, wherever you are, there may be... Uh, you know, beers that are produced with your local um, ingredients, mm. basically. Oh, nice. Um, so, uh, you know, we're talking about this so we can identify some of these things. So if we look at our, our citrus hops, uh, you know, probably a hop that's most synonymous with craft brewing is uh, Cascade. Mm-hmm. And you'll see this all over the place, Um and it's kind of a hop that uh, either launched craft brewing or craft brewing launched with it. Um, the uh, brewery that's that's uh, you know known as the very first craft brewery, which isn't around anymore, um, is New Albion Brewing uh, in California. Yeah. Um, you know they had their uh, New, New Albion Ale, I think, uh, or maybe it was called a Pale Ale. Uh, but that that beer was all Cascade, mm. um, and I think the story goes that um, you know he was trying to source his his ingredients. Uh, you know nobody wanted to talk to him because he didn't want you know thousands of pounds of hops. You know he was just this guy brewing on this system that he scrapped together with you know all kinds of various equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't gonna be brewing it that much, um, so. You know, these growers weren't used to dealing with him. They were used to dealing with, you know, Budweiser and Miller and Coors, you know, the guys that are ordering tons of hops. Um, so it ended up that he finally worked out that they had this hop that nobody wanted. And, <laughs> you know, he was willing to take it off their hands, and that was Cascade. Mm. Um, and so that, that, that kind of just launched with his brewery, and it kind of spread among the other, you know, breweries that were popping up at that time uh and i believe sierra, sierra nevada uh pale ale uh, features cascade as as its flavoring and aroma uh hop um so i'm pretty sure that's true um somebody can call me on that if, if i'm wrong um but you know that cascade is kind of the biggest hop you're going to see anywhere yeah. um it's, it's going to be in the most uh most number of beers, probably. Uh, I imagine that the acreage of that hop gets is enormous compared to pretty much everything else that we're going to discuss <laughs> from from the U.S. Um, anyway. 
Um, <clears throat> so uh, another American citrus hop that you're going to see quite a bit of is a Centennial. Yeah. And uh, this is one of what's called the the three C's: uh, Cascade, Centennial, and another we'll talk about later, Chinook. Um, and these are kind of the big players uh, in U.S. Uh, hops, at least until recently, when this kind of hop uh, breeding movement kind of took off. Uh, so Centennial is another one to to look out for. It'll give you a lot of you know citrus character. Um, now these next three are newer hops that have come from a lot of this breeding, um, and these ones you're going to see in uh, a lot of IPAs and double IPAs, um, which are Simcoe, Citra, and Amarillo. Um, I believe Simcoe is the hop that is responsible for all these Imperial IPAs that we're seeing now. Hmm. Um, I think that's the hop featured in uh, Pliny the Elder, which kind of defined that style. Okay. Um, Russian River kind of created um, that style with that beer, or at least made it uh, mainstream. Um, so, uh, Citra and Amarillo, another um, new, very popular hops um, that you're going to see in a lot of uh, IPAs now. And, and these three are commonly used together. They play very well together um, to kind of give a full um, range mm-hmm. of... Uh, of citrus um, character, yeah, um, you know, which can range from you know orange, uh, you know, lemon, lime. Um, I think Amarillo even gives a little pineapple kind of character, which could oh, maybe nice. be classified as a tropical, more <laughs> uh, tropical thing. But uh, so, I, I think those are the the biggest um, citrus kind of players that you're going to see a lot of. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, what you know, what's nice about the Citra, especially, is it's not a a hop that is just you know strictly kept in the the you know the pale IPA range. Uh, it's used in in especially like dry hopping things that you know golden ales and uh, I mean other things that you wouldn't normally see a, a flavorful hop in. You you can get the Citra in, and it makes it a really nice. Addition to to those beers that you would normally wouldn't wouldn't have, which is which is nice. I kind of, I mean, some people either love a citra, or they hate citra. Uh, I I kind of appreciate it. I've even seen citra used in brown ales, and I mean, they'll use it in in the strangest uh, combinations of of styles that you wouldn't think would have a citrus flavor in there. But you know what? It plays out really well. I think. Yeah, and citra can give you a real. Uh nice lemon character mm-hmm. um so I, i'm actually hearing a lot of people starting to use it in uh, saisons oh uh, yeah um which would pair nicely with that kind of yeast character and um you know I, I haven't been able to try one yet but i've been been hearing a lot of people having su- success with that mm-hmm. um pairing okay all right so th- those are the citrus hops but you know what there's also the john mentioned the piney Type hops, and uh, we have two that we're going to just mention real quick. And one he mentioned already, the Chinook, which is part of the big three C's. Um, and this is is going to be uh, you know one of your bigger pine piney hop uh, flavors that you'll get. Uh, and you know what? I'm trying to. I I love piney hop beers, and right now because I think I've had one or two too many beers, I can't think of. The the examples of the piney hop uh, beers that that uh, use this you 
Do you have an example of a Chinook uh, beer by any chance, by some no. miracle? No? Uh, okay. Don't no, worry about no, it. You're putting me on the spot, no. But um, this is a beer that my wife does not like, or, or uh, a hop that my, my wife is not a fan of. She she really likes the citrus stuff and uh, too much pine, and, and she's kind of turned off in, uh-huh. in her IPAs. So uh, this is one that she... If I tell her it, it, it has been, I get to drink the whole thing myself. <laughs> I don't have to share. So. Oh, that, that's funny. That's funny. But you know, the, another the other piney hop that we have mentioned here is Simcoe. And as John mentioned, it's a citrus hop. But you know what? Simcoe is also a, a great piney hop. I, again, in the, the Pliny the Elder, uh, you know, it, it provides both of those flavors in there where you get a little bit of both and... and um, do you have anything else you want to say about uh, how the Simcoe hop can play both in the pine and the citrus flavors? Is is there a, some special reason why it can give both those, or it just happens that... So, uh, yeah, that that comes from this hop breeding that I've been talking about. Um, you know, that happens, there's male plants and there's female plants. Um, and so you take, you know... Uh, a female plant that has characteristics that you like, you take a male plant that has characteristics that you like, and then you put them together and see if you can get something that can meld those two things together. Mm. Um, it doesn't always work, um, but sometimes it does, and you get something like Simcoe. Mm-hmm. Um, Simcoe is another one of those really contentious hops, though, because another characteristic that, at least early on, um, it uh, unfortunately gave was a uh, cat pee. Oh yeah, um, and people would describe <laughs> these beers as uh, it just smelled and tasted like cat piss. Was the, was the character that that was given, and um, I believe they found that that character came from leaving the hop on the on the vine uh, too long. Too long, okay. And so now they they pull the the Simcoe a little earlier. Okay. And uh, I think that uh, criticism uh, has is mostly gone now um, I think because they've, they've kind of learned the hop a little better and they've managed to keep that out from the agricultural standpoint but okay. um, yeah the, you know these two worlds that come together with the, the pine and the citrus I mean that's that's complete um, you know there's breeders and hop growers uh, looking at what you know people are buying and what they're wanting and trying to uh, you know provide um, more uh, in, in that those areas so yeah that's kind of how that that comes together. All right. Well, good. Well, you know what the the other thing is is I'm really appreciating the 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 fruity tropical fruity and stone fruit hop flavors that are now coming out in beers. Uh, you know, because again, for the beginning of the the whole craft beer Northwest craft beer movement, it was pretty much piney and and citrus those were the two major and most of it was piney i think at the beginning and then citrus you know was was there but now they've got these hops that provide uh you know more flowery or tropical fruity flavors that uh are really quite pleasant and one of the ones that that i have recently uh been enjoying is the mosaic hop and i just had a beer last week or the week before i'm trying to find it on tap right now as i'm Pulling up, it was from Green Flash Brewing, and it uh, and it might have even been. Let's see, it wasn't that one. Thirtieth Street. Yeah, this is not making for good uh, podcast uh, time, but um, it it put it was I think it was a session IPA, and it put this uh, this mosaic hop in there, and 
Hop Odyssey uh, Mosaic Session IPA. Yes, the Mosaic Session IPA. Yeah, I just found it just as you said that. And um, wow, that is a fantastic lower IP or <laughs> what am I trying to say? Lower uh, ABV. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe I have one too many of these double box tonight. Uh, There's too many acronyms going yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's a session IPA with a very low ABV, um, but man, fantastic flavors with that tropical fruit with that mosaic uh, hop. That is just it's special, right? I mean, it's just it's not the typical uh, you know IPA that you be you be tasting. I really en- enjoyed that. Yeah, and mosaic is a uh one that brewers are still learning how to use um you know the, from its name uh <clears throat> is well i should say its name came from the fact that it offers a huge array of flavors and aromas mm. i think uh from like uh sensory testing and things it's come back with like 23 different descriptors wow um ranging from things like strawberry and uh you know, some very subtle uh, fruit to, you know, intense tropical flavors and aromas and, and different things. So it, it's something that, uh, you know, brewers are still trying to figure out. And um, it's been a hob that's been really hit or miss with me um, when I'm, uh, you know, drinking beers because you, you can tell when they just haven't figured it out yeah, yet yeah. Um, because it, it doesn't work too well. But then, you know, I have another one and it, it blows me away, and uh, then I resume my search for mosaic beers after being discouraged from, <laughs> you know, <laughs> something that maybe didn't work as well. Um, but th- this is another one that's very new. I think it just was released within the last year or two mm. um, onto the market. Uh, so, uh, but you know, some other um, tropical and stone fruit hops. Um, another new one uh, is Calypso. Mm-hmm. Um, which I uh, just brewed another uh, single hop uh, beer with um, just under a month ago. I'll be kegging that within the next couple of days. So um, looking forward to that one. It, that one smelled amazing mm. uh, <laughs> going into the fermenter. Uh, so I'm I'm really excited. Uh, and then Citra, uh, you know, which we mentioned, um, you know, it kind of has a range from uh, citrus to to tropical, which in my head is easier to compute than. Um, something like Simcoe, which ranges from citrus to pine. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it's uh, a little bit more of a jump that way, but, uh, <laughs> you know, and Citra is another one that plays really well. Um, and I, I think plays really well with a, a lot of other hops. You know, we, we talked about the blending hops to create, you know, some nice profiles. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that one can, can really uh, add some depth to, to a hop profile. Okay. Nice. All right, so so those are the uh, American style. Just to, you know, not all of them, just a few of the notable ones for flavor that we think you'll see and you'll be able to recognize and and be able to tell if if you want more beers with those hops in them or not. But you know what? Hey, we wouldn't we wouldn't even have really, you know, a lot of the beers that we're used to that were you know drank back in the time were from British hops, and uh, the British hops are they're typically known for their floral characters, their earthiness. Um, you know, not my favorite, uh, not because of the floral, but because of the earthiness. I, I tend to, you know, a lot of English pale ales or British pale ales, uh, those styles can really turn me off because it's a little too earthy 
uh, for me. But uh, hey, you know what? Uh, to each their own. Um, these hops are, are they're produced throughout England, but mainly uh, we, a lot of their hop uh, production comes from Kent, England. And uh, uh, there's two two notable ones: the the Kent Goldings or Goldings, and the how do you say that? Fugles or Fuggles? Fuggles. Fuggles. Yeah. Okay, so um, honestly, um, all I knew about British hops were they tasted like uh, you know earthy gym uh, sock type uh, uh, flavor. But do you have any any little tidbits you want to talk about with those, or you just want to move on, or what? What do you want? Um, yeah, I think you know a lot of you know the the floral character is kind of what I've highlighted here. These two will be <laughs> more of that. Um, you know, the other side of it, the earthiness, a lot of people describe it as kind of a mineral character. Mm-hmm. Um, and those, I, I just don't think, are used that often in terms of being uh, featured uh, okay. in anything. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there is a, a version of Goldings from the United States, uh, U.S. Goldings versus uh, Kent Goldings. Um, you don't always see it... Uh, characterized in that way if, if you're looking on a bottle or something and they list the ingredients a lot of times it just says goldings um i think more often than not that probably means u.s goldings okay uh, which doesn't give you the same character the hops grown here are, are different um you know it's just that the factor of, of the earth that the terroir has the the wine uh, industry would say you know with you know grapes grown in different places even took uprooted a plant and moved it it's going to give you a, a different character just yeah. based on the soil and and you know the the environment that it's yeah. in yeah the water the, yeah everything yeah. yeah and i uh i believe that uh fuggles is in the lineage of what c- came to be cascade hmm. um if if i'm recalling my hop history correctly okay uh, so uh you know that's another little Notable for that, you know, it's kind of a, you know, a grandparent somewhere down the line for, um, for Cascade, I, I believe. Okay. So I'll believe you. I'll m- make someone <laughs> prove you wrong. Yeah, it's fact. <laughs> Take it out of the bank. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, these European hops. Uh, you have the British hops that give you, um, you know, this uh, floral character, earthiness, you know, mineral kind of character. Then you have kind of a Central European hops, which are mainly uh, from Germany and the Czech Republic. Uh, some of these will also be grown in Belgium, but uh, uh, I think these two countries kind of are the the premier of what what you'll hear and and maybe uh, hear of and maybe ex- actually experience here in the U.S. Um, and so the, these hops um, uh, more of that earthy character, and these can actually give a, a spicy character, kind of. A, um, peppery type mm-hmm. uh, type character, uh, and they're, they're referred to as noble hops, which mm-hmm. um, doesn't make them. Th- the name does not signify that they're you know better <laughs> uh, than than other hops. Uh, it's just kind of a classification that that came about, um, you know, this this family. Um, but uh, if you hear noble hop, that's what it's referring to. These kind of German Czech hops. Um, and and all, I think all these hops are named after the region uh, where they're grown. Okay. Um, so uh, some of the ones that you'll you'll hear about are uh, Saz, Hallertau, and uh, Tetnanger. Um, and you know some of these give really similar characters. Uh, I've seen uh, some places a uh, Hallertau Tetnanger hop, 
which could be a, a breed between the two. I'm not sure, but um, you know, some of the characters are very similar that you can interchange these. Um, but you'll see these a lot in uh, your pilsners, mm-hmm. where you know you don't think of that as a hop forward beer, but um, if you looking at like a German Pilsner or Bohemian Pilsner, you know, those are, those are different styles. And, you know, a lot of the differences in that hop character, mm-hmm. um, I think a, the German Pils will have a, a little more forward, uh, hop character, a little more of that spiciness and that type of thing. Um, so you, you can get some of that, um, that character coming through and, uh, you know, some people really, really like that. Others, uh, not so much. So, you know, you just kind of have to figure out if that's for you or not. Um, and whether you you want to seek these out. Yeah. So. Yeah, I um I have a hard time with these hops. I, to me it's the the finish on these are are a lot sharper and I a lot of times I um I equate them or I kind of uh, I don't know what the word but I kind of when I think of the when I drink a beer with some of these hops in I I tend to think of back when I was in grade school and I'd accidentally put my graphite pencil in my mouth and I taste uh, that graphite flavor that's the kind of uh, finish that these these you know type of pilsners and stuff especially the Czech pilsners leave in my in my mouth and uh, I don't know what kind of a profile is that is that the spiciness that's coming out you think I think that'd be more the, the mineral the mineral um, okay character um, and that's probably the uh, if you're looking at a Czech pills it's probably the sauce hops I believe those yeah. are uh, Czech hops okay so so you know that's those are a lot of the, the notables uh, from the the main regions of, of hop growing uh, throughout the the world really. Uh, so you know I encourage you guys to you know kind of try to pay attention to that uh, and and seek out you know some of the things that you enjoy and at least try the things you haven't heard of because who knows you could it could be the hop that you've been waiting for. You yeah, know? that's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, so and and in trying these out, uh, there's a lot of breweries that um, have started doing a single hop beer series. Um, you know, it's beers brewed with just the one hop. Uh, you know, like I described earlier that I was doing uh, with the the El Dorado. Um, you know, it lets uh, lets you understand that hop, what it contributes to the flavor, what it contributes to the aroma. Um, so I just did a quick uh, search and found a few breweries that that are doing these these series, um, and you know these are kind of peppered around the the U.S. and some bigger than others. But uh, so if you can't necessarily find uh, all these, maybe one of them is close enough. Um, and even if you if it's not on this list, check out some of your locals. A lot of breweries are doing this now, um, and it just may not have popped up in my my Google search. Um, but uh, some of these breweries, uh, Ninkasi has a series, uh, Flying Dog, uh, Hermitage, uh, Sam Adams has a series that I think they're running through their uh, Latitude 48 IPA. I think they've done a spinoff of that um, with a bunch of single hops. Hmm. And then um, McKellar, which is a Dutch brewery, yeah. that I believe that... Uh, they they have been uh, exporting some single hop beers. Those are harder to find. Will probably yeah. cost you a pretty penny. Yeah. Um, but I've heard some some good things. So yeah, um, if yeah, you those, can find that in your area. Yeah, those McKellar ones are they're anywhere from uh, from like six to ten bucks per ten ounce beer. So they're kind of spendy. 
<laughs> but they're pretty good. I've had a few McKellars, and and I have not been disappointed in what they uh, they put out. But I haven't had their their single hop beer, so so. All right. Well, hey, that is our brew buzz segment. We have just educated you on more than you ever wanted to know about hops and their brewing process or their use in the brewing process. And you know what? As we just showed you the hops, especially in the American beer styles, have really played a huge part in defining what American craft beer is. All right, now it's time for our listener participation tasting notes on the Wimmer Brothers Hefeweizen. So John just opened his beer. I'm going to open mine. I'm going to get a good pop this time because this thing is full of carbonation. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to pour this beer into my nice, big, giant Weizen glass. It's like 25 ounces to hold this 12-ounce beer because the head is so big. All right. So, John, you, you got your uh, beer all poured? You ready to go? I do, in my Ohio State branded bison glass all right all right nice <laughs> i'm using a, a gift from my wife when she went to <clears throat> to vegas it's a planet hollywood las vegas glass i've been using tonight uh only well i've been using for my hefeweizens i switched when i was drinking my box i was just using a standard um shaker glass but all right the name of the beer is now it this beer changed names it was just called the hefeweizen now it's called the hef or hefe i don't know what what I mean, what just Heffa, probably. Heffa? Or Hef. 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 Yeah, I'd probably say Hef. I'll say Hef. Hef. <laughs> From Widmer Brothers Brewing out of Portland, Oregon. This is an American style Hefeweizen. It's 4.9% ABV, and I found the IBUs. It's 30 IBUs. Not, not listed on the bottle, but I went to the website and saw that they had it listed on the website as 30. Um, I'm drinking it out of a tw- 12-ounce bottle, I'm, and it's served in my Weizen glass. And uh, we poured it, and as I look at it, um, yeah, it's pretty damn cloudy. Nice pale orange, and uh, uh, lots lots of bubbles. It's it's very, what, what do they call it, effervescence? Uh, yeah, yeah, effervescent. Yeah, it's got a lot of bubbles in there, but what's nice is that those... Uh, those bubbles don't necessarily equate to like a high carbonation. I don't feel like I'm when I'm drinking this beer that I'm gonna be you know I get a lot of carbonation. What do you think, John? What's uh, you, you uh, describe the color similar to mine, or you got a little bit different opinion? Yeah, uh, orange, a um, little bit of almost pale straw kind of in the yeah. um, in the edges of the glass where it's not as you know thick with beer i guess yeah um but i I poured mine very aggressively just to see what kind of head i could produce on this thing and i I managed (laughs) to get uh about three three and a half inches um, (laughs) that was contained within my glass it took me right to the edge of the glass so my gosh it's like they know what they're doing with these things you know um but it's coming down uh pretty quickly probably a dirty glass on my end these don't get a, a ton of use um but uh you know, it, it's kind of stabilizing now, kind of around an inch. Okay. Um, kind of an off-white head. Yeah, um, yeah. And a, a mix of bubbles, thin to, to big. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. I, um, I've had quite a few of these tonight, and uh, my head has been similar. It's been either anywhere from two fingers to overflowing. 
depending on how aggressively I poured. Uh, the the head, I agree, off white, um, and it, I I've seen in my pours tonight. I've seen mostly it's been bigger bubble sizes, uh, not as uh, and there's some tiny ones in there, but it's it doesn't seem like they're as uh, as compact as. You know, it's not quite as creamy of a head that we see on other beers. It's more of a coarser he- head. Um, and and what's nice is that this beer does have a decent lacing. I mean, as you drink it, the lacing does stick to the glass, and, and it's nice. It's a, a sign of a clean glass and a good, you know, good beer. Yeah. Uh, the first two I had uh, during the recording uh, <laughs> were uh, much larger bubbles. This is the first one that's kind of... Uh, settled into this uh fine bubble um, okay. head that's kind of sticking around but i i do get uh pretty decent lacing as well okay um, all right what do you get in the nose so um in the nose uh you know commonly attributed with the uh, you know hefeweizens especially german hefeweizens as kind of a banana um and clove mm-hmm. uh, i think the american is not uh the american style of that is not uh, as pronounced yeah um, but I think I do get a little bit of banana. No, none of that spicy clove character. Yeah. Um, definitely kind of a grainy, um, wheat character, uh, could be kind of a bread or biscuit or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, a little bit of sweetness, uh, mm-hmm. in there. Um, but that, that could just be part of that, that fruitiness that's coming through as well. Yeah. Yeah. So. This, this is um this is a difficult head you know or or head difficult nose to describe a lot because it's it is uh it's nothing to to me it's nothing like defined it's it's definitely this i i get like a an orangey citrus uh i don't know i i'm gonna say orangey uh light you know faint orangey odor to it with the and and the sweetness that i smell i i'm kind of pointing towards honey maybe and i also get some kind of a a biscuity or toasty or some kind of a a, a bready note to it also um, but I, it's hard for me to define it exactly it's just it's there i just don't know i just can't put a definitive yes this is what i i smell so we're pretty close yeah, I, I can i can see the orange um descriptor mm-hmm. um i could i could get on board with that one yeah. Okay. I just took a sip. I know you've been sipping it all night. Um, and what I like about this is that you know the the wheat comes comes out right away. I mean, I, I definitely get a solid wheat malt flavor. And then um, you know, as I'm drinking it, I do get kind of a lemony orange, more maybe now on the on a lemony side, citrus uh, flavor. That's- Thank you. I've been trying to pin that down, and that's what it is. See, <laughs> uh, that the lemon—that's the the one that's been escaping me when I've been been yeah. drinking. Yeah, so it's uh, I mean, it's it's strange because you know I was smelling maybe some orange, but as I tasted it, it seemed like it was more lemony. Maybe the orange because it was just deceiving me on the on the odor, um, and then again. Uh, not strong, very, very faint in the back, that sweetness. I'm attributing it, again, I'm a light honey. Not a serious sweet honey, a lighter honey flavor, but I could be totally off. But this this time I'm drinking it, maybe it's because of the double box I've been drinking. Um, I am getting um, 
I was going to say I was getting a little grassy in this, but I don't know if that's what I'm getting. I think mm. I'm still sticking with the lemony stuff. But what what do you uh, I, what do you get when you first take your sip? What's the predominant flavors that you that you taste? Um, the big thing I get is that that wheat um, bready mm-hmm. kind of character, followed by a, a very distinct lemon. Mm. Um, that's just unmistakable. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe after the third one, it's really Um, unmistakable. (laughs) No, but, uh, yeah, that, that, um, that citrus is definitely played up, um, in, in the flavor. Uh, you know, I I think there is some residual sweetness there. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, there, there's enough bitterness to kind of knock the edge off of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but it definitely is balanced towards the malt a little more. Um, Uh, you know, it's it's not. I wouldn't call this uh, you know evenly balanced uh, between the, the no no. I wouldn't either. Um, I wouldn't say. I agree. I agree. How, now the body. What do you? Um, I'll let you go first on the body. What do you? What's your your take on the body of this beer? Um, definitely a medium, maybe even a kind of medium full body. Mm-hmm. I don't. Um, but that could. Um, it's kind of got a slickness to it, a, a creaminess, mm-hmm. I, I guess. Yeah. Um, but you know, for for having that slickness, it doesn't uh, kind of linger in a, in a negative fashion, um, I guess. Um, so, uh, what are your thoughts on the on the? Yeah, body? I you know, I don't want to steal your thunder, but I agree. I get a very very much creamy mouthful feel mouthful <laughs> that's uh i don't want a creamy mouthful but i get a creamy mouth feel uh, yeah yeah uh, your, your inner uh your inner desires yeah, are coming out yeah. <laughs> I, I i also agree the uh medium to full bodied it's it's like in between you know it's 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 definitely medium can be a little bit a little bit more so i i kind of say the same thing medium to full and you know what? This is a refreshing yeah, it, beer. It's not, it's not like a stout or anything like that. It's yeah. not like you know people describe. Oh, I have to chew it. It's, yeah, it's not, no, no, not that kind of fullness. Yeah, so. yeah. Now, now the now the finish. Uh, you mentioned in your uh, in the front end, you you had that bitterness. I, that's what I get. I get that slight bitter finish. Um, that isn't like you said. It's not balanced. It's not a balanced beer between the malt and it's definitely malt. A lot of malt, more malt. But you know what? The the bitter finish is just enough just to, to take the edge off. And it's it's not distracting. It's just very pleasant. And um, and you know what? You mentioned getting uh, some aroma of the banana in the in the nose, which I don't really – I couldn't really pick up the banana in the nose. But in the finish, in the aftertaste, I do get a little hint of banana. Not like you'd get in the German hefts, but uh, – but you know, just very subtle in in the finish aftertaste. Not right in the finish, but more lingering aftertaste. I get that little bit of a banana. But you know what? This it's it's a very enjoyable uh, finish to the beer. How about you? What's your finish take? Yeah, I definitely agree with the banana. Um, it, it it comes through uh, in the finish. You know, there is there is a bite um, at the, at the end of your your sip, but I'm I'm kind of wondering if that might be uh kind of a from the carbonation like a carbonic mm-hmm. yeah bite which can come across kind of harsh like that um 
without you know without not picking up a lot of hops throughout the rest of the beer, I, I'm hesitant to say that's from the from the hops so that that kind of bitter finish. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because um, I feel like it, you wouldn't have as much of that sweetness probably um, if if that was the case. It'd be kind of odd for that to be the only place it showed up. Okay. Um, not saying it, it, it couldn't happen, but. Uh, you know, with the higher, uh, at least seemingly higher level carbonation, um, that, I'm kind of wondering if that's where that's coming from. Um, but I definitely agree. There's something there that kind of grabs you mm-hmm. um, right at the end. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll mention what's in this beer later. In, in, at the end, the end, I'll mention it. Maybe that might you might be able to get some uh, some stuff out of that. But um, hey. Uh, we always try to see if this beer is something we recommend for new people to craft beer. And now, after my experience on Friday with my my daughter's boyfriend, it's hard for me to to really take what a new person to craft beer would enjoy, wouldn't enjoy. But I'm going to say that yes, this beer, this Hefeweizen, is uh, is a great great flavor, not too heavy with the uh, with some of the normal spices, the coriander or the the normal banana f- flavors that you'll get. In a, a Hefeweizen from a German style, um, so I think that a new person to craft beer would really enjoy this beer. What, what about you, John? You think someone new to craft beer would enjoy this? Uh, yeah, it's pretty easy to drink. Um, you know, it, it's not uh, really jumping at you in any one direction. You yeah, know, that something that people would find off-putting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think this is definitely a beer to, to approach, and I think a lot of people kind of come in. Uh, this way, I know I know of a lot of friends that kind of came in through, um, you know, the Blue Moon mm-hmm. type, yeah, <clears throat> beers, uh, which would which would feed you right into this kind of Hefeweizen, yeah, um, yeah. So you know, the, it, they're easy to put down, and um, you know, yeah, I, I think that it's very really easy to to get along with. Okay, so. excellent, excellent. So, uh, do we agree that the Weizen glass is the uh, recommended glassware? <laughs> yes of course by, right? By default, yeah. right yeah by default <laughs> okay good okay and my, my rating uh memorable hey you know what this is a this is beer is uh is a year-round beer from them and there's no reason why you couldn't drink this thing all year if it's if it's what you like and so hey keep it stocked in your fridge keep it for your friends that are coming over that uh may not necessarily enjoy regular beer but you might be able to say hey i have a hefeweizen that's pretty easy to drink uh, try this beer um and so i i say yeah this is a, a decent beer to, to keep stocked in your fridge what about you john what, what do you rate this beer uh yeah personally um i'm not a huge hef fan so this wouldn't be in in my fridge but um <laughs> I, I would tend more towards a, a pale ale or something that would be my year-round kind of go-to but this is definitely something that I um, I could see some of my friends that that do enjoy this this style of beer uh, more would would be um, mm-hmm. kind of right up their alley and something that I would could see them keeping on hand. Okay, you know, all the time. Yeah. So yeah, it's a. I drink this mostly during summer after I get done doing yard work and I'm hot and I'm just want something that goes down quick. I can drink like three of these in a very short amount of time just to you know, replenish my, my water and my, you know, nourishment. They go down really easy during summertime. So if for nothing else, keep them around during summer because they're an easy drinker. So, all right, here I have some additional information. And since we've been talking about malts and hops 
in the brewing process. And now that you guys have been listening for the last two episodes, you understand how malts and hops both play into the beer brewing process. I wanted to go ahead and try to mention the malts and hops that were used in this beer. So the main malts used are Pell, Munich, Wheat, of course, and a caramel malt that's a 40 Levibon. So it's a, you know, it's a... These, that's what gives you the, the, the little bit more color there. And the hops used surprised me because it's using Alchemy hops, uh, Willamette, and Cascade. Again, we talked about the Cascade for the citrus. So I think that we're definitely getting that lemony citrus flavor from the Cascade. Um, but you know what? What surprised me was the Alchemy because Alchemy is like a... Uh, it's a hop we didn't talk about, John. Um, but it's one that uh, is... I think it's pretty pretty good, especially in, in the Alchemy L that uh, Widmer Brothers also produces. So what do you think? Now that you know that yes. these hops are in there, what do you think about that? So I, um, I've um i seen you put this in, and so I, I went to look because I'd never heard of Alchemy before. Um, and so I, I searched for it, and um, Alchemy is actually a – a proprietary blend that um, Widmer puts together every year for themselves. <laughs> really? Um, so it's not a it's not an it's not an alchemy hop. It's an alchemy hop blend. blend. They just call it alchemy, ah. which is probably a, a bit of marketing for themselves. Um, okay. But uh, I found a, a post from 2007 where someone uh, a home brewer had emailed and you know asking for information on it. And they they said it's a combination. At least then it was a combination of Warrior and Millennium, um, but it also at other times included Horizon, which is a, a really popular bitter, bittering hop um, mm-hmm. now. It's really neutral, um, but they say they they use it as um, bittering. I think in in all of their beers. Okay. Uh, so they they describe it as a very successful hop for them, which yeah. uh, is a little misleading since it's a, it's a blend. <laughs> it's a blend, but, yes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, they say they do adjust it every year based on, you know, the crop uh, crops that come in. And, um, you know, that's kind of what we talked about. It's an agri- agricultural product. So, mm-hmm. um, but, <clears throat> you know, I think uh, from that, that bite we're getting could come from that, the Willamette, which mm-hmm. uh is generally a pretty minerally hop. Um, it could could kind of give that that character as well. Okay. Um, so that that could be where that's coming from too. Well, excellent. That uh, I think was a pretty successful uh, tasting notes, and I hope that all of our listeners were able to gain a little bit more understanding of uh, you know of how to uh, characterize a beer. I think John and I did a pretty good job patting ourselves on the back. Uh, it was ni- it was nice to see that uh, that one of my uh, descriptors actually you know helped John uh, you know pinpoint what he was tasting in the beer because I am definitely not the expert at this. I try, but I always feel like I'm uh, a little bit uh, behind the power wheel. But now John just boosted my uh, my ego up a little bit, so that's good. Well, uh, this is what we talk about with the benefits of tasting in a group, and hopefully what. Uh, you know, folks listening or can get out of this if they're actually tasting along. You know, when you're you're stuck and you know that you know that flavor, mm-hmm. um, but it's just making that link from your brain. Um, and you know that everybody tastes what they taste, and some people can can pull those experiences 
faster than others. So, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's really helpful chasing a group and, you know, be even better if you could all be in the same room, you know, <laughs> yelling at each other and saying, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. wouldn't taste that. Um, but you know, it's, that's the benefit of, of drinking together. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and that's one I, I don't, I, I hate always promoting other podcasts, but one of the podcasts I really enjoy listening to is the, uh, uh, the four brewers and uh, because the same thing with John just mentioned, these guys are all doing their tasting together. They're all very well-versed beer guys that know how to taste. And it's amazing how one person will taste something and say, that's what they taste. And, and the other guy will say, you're right. That's exactly what it is. You couldn't pinpoint it. So, you know what? It always helps when you're in a bigger group. So, um, so yeah, our group right now between John and I are two people. But then you know what? We just open it up to the to the many people that's listening, and hopefully we're helping you understand what you're tasting. All right. Well, you know what? The show is running a little long because we had so much to talk about hops. Uh, so I'm not. I'm going to skip this this episode with the the news. Um, there was an article that was provided by David Yojimbo2000 on Twitter called "The 19 Types of Beer Snobs." We're not going to cover that this week, but next episode, John and I will talk about this article because I thought it was very funny, and I just want to, you know, see, you know, John's take on uh, on these different characterizations of of beer snobs because um, I could definitely be at one point in my beer journey, craft beer journey, I was a few of these different types of snobs, but now I feel that I have. I've shed my beer snobbiness, and now I'm, you know, more of an equal opportunity, uh, just love craft beer in general type person. So, all right, John, you know what time? It's time of the show where we have an opportunity to raise our glass and give a little toast out to uh, people that we want to, uh, you know, raise our glass to. So, John, who do you have to raise your glass to this week? So I'm going to give a toast to my buddy Wes, uh, who was here today helping me. He's been listening to the show and sending us some feedback and, and uh, potential topics. So um, we think that was uh, the show. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, I also want to thank Wes, you know, for his feedback. He, he has been, uh, you know, silently in the background providing us all kinds of great feedback on how to make the show better. And I think, you know, we've taken those comments and we've we've actually made the show, uh, you know, improved proved upon uh, what what we started. So and hey, it's always it's an ongoing process. So thank you, Wes. Um, I also have yeah, he, he takes a lot of pleasure giving me crap so of course that's what <laughs> that's what friends are for that's what friends are for exactly exactly so uh, yeah i have a couple uh i i just want to uh just shout out uh um robert and david uh from twitter you know robert for his his question of the week and uh of course david for the article that we won't get to this time but hey you know what i i really appreciate your guys' support uh i want to th- do another shout out, raise my glass up to the 40 cast. You know, my old podcast I was on for many years, um, last week or a week before last, I guess I, they asked me to, to do a guest spot on their show. And I was able to go and promote craft beer and, and talk with my buddies. 
and it was a good time. So I want to just raise my glass to them and uh, anyone who wants to, you know, listen to a uh, more of an entertainment uh, oriented podcast, but they also do a lot of drinking on it. You know, go visit the Forty Cast. And I also want to raise my glass to my uh, newfound craft beer um, student, uh, Robbie, my daughter's uh, boyfriend. Uh, you know what, Robbie, you really impressed me. Uh, when you know, it, it takes it takes uh, someone special to go on just a you know second or third craft beer to go and grab a barley wine, and just just love it, and that makes me feel really uh, happy. And for all the questions you asked and all the information you wanted, and of course for listening to our show because you want to learn about craft beer. So hey, Robbie, this is to you. And of course, uh, I want to thank uh, Open Forum Radio because you know what. These guys are hosting our show, and they, you know, they they provide a ton of entertainment out for everyone to listen to on all the many shows that are on Open Forum Radio. So hey, go out to OpenForumRadio.com, and uh, you know, give them a listen. There's a lot of good shows out there, and of course, you know, being a a former serviceman, I just want to raise my glass. I want to thank all those who have served and who are currently serving in the U.S. military. Uh, I want to thank you for protecting our freedoms, and I really hope that you guys are able to return home safely soon. All right, well, if you would like to contact the show, you can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at tapthecraft, or leave comments on the show posts that can be found on openforumradio.com or on Google+. Just search for tapthecraft. And you can follow me personally on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Loose Screw, and on Google Plus at Denny Loose. And John, how can the listeners follow you? So on Twitter uh, at Prime Brewing, uh, Untapped at Prime WA, and I write about uh, my homebrewing exploits over at homebrewengineer.com. Yes, you do. I, I, uh, I, you know, I visited it this last uh, time between shows and caught up on all the articles you wrote and I'm glad to see that you are, are really uh, you're putting out some good content and that's how I learned about the you didn't talk about using the Calypso uh, hop this episode but uh, I'm curious to hear you know how that that hop is working out for you uh, because you know that was a good article also you know the article that you had on there about buying in bulk um, yeah you can save some money but man uh, it, that's a big commitment when you're going to go and put in for like 50 pounds of, you know, malt. <laughs> that's a lot of brewing you got to yeah, be doing. Yeah. Well, yeah, 50 pounds, that's like five brews. It's not that bad. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, go. I could totally do that. Yeah, yeah. But go go check out homebrewengineer.com. Uh, just some really nice articles. I really enjoy uh, reading uh, about those. So, all right, it's last well, thank call. Thank you, sir. I yeah. appreciate the kind words. Yeah, no problem. Hey, I'm here for you. You know it. All right, it's last call. It's time to bring the show to a close. I want to thank all of you for downloading and listening to the show, and we hope you were able to find something useful, and we welcome you to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. And as a reminder, we release a new episode every two weeks. And that's it for this show. And remember... Friends don't let friends drink light yellow fizzy beer. 
quality craft beer can be enjoyed by all. So spread the word and convert the beer ignorant. My name is Denny Luce, and joining me... <clears throat> That's okay. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be one of those uh, days. Okay. Yeah, so uh, Wes was over here to, brewing today, mm-hmm. and we saw your post on Untapped um, that you had started on the Hef. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, he said he had a few. Yeah. <laughs> and Wes instantly said, oh, it should be a fun show. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just it. I, I've had a few, and I, I don't. I don't slow down. I go ahead and bring the double box out, you know, when I'm recording. So it always... Hey, and you don't have to work tomorrow, so it's all I, good. I know. I know. It's, <laughs> it's one of my uh, seven vaca- or holidays that my company uh, recognizes, so I have to take it when I can get it. There you go. All right. Okay. I'm going to start off at my name. Okay. All right, John, you want a break? Yeah, my glass is empty. This All thing right. goes down way too easy. I, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna go get another one of these box for myself so I can make sure I'm slurring real good during the next session. Oh, good. All right, I'll be right back too. All right. This is good. <laughs> How many bottles did you bring up with you? I heard a lot of clinking. Oh, uh, just one, just one. I, it was uh, clinking on the glass as I was sitting down. Ah, uh, yeah. I heard a nice little pop, and then gub 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 gub. All right, okay. You all bearded up. You a nice sound bite for me opening my uh, my bottle too. Oh. <laughs> all right. Here we go. You ready? Yeah. Okay. I don't I'm want to ready. keep you up all night, so. Doesn't matter. <laughs> all right, John. You want to go? Are you still? Uh, I need to go get another beer. The half. Yeah, I'm going to top my glass off, but I'm going to go pee while Okay. You all right. I'll be back beer. in a minute. I was okay. really hoping that you still had to go do this. So yeah. Yeah. I know. I. I yeah. I, I, I now have to get my Weising, my Weising glass with my half. Uh, and no longer drink my Bach. Although I've been done with this glass for a while. All right. All right, I'll be um, back. Back in a couple. Okay. All right, John, I'm back. Are you back? I am back. All right. I, I decided to go to the bathroom, too, while I had the opportunity. There you go. All right. Let's get this. Uh... Oh, you already popped it? Okay. I just did. All right. I ruined the moment, didn't I? Okay, that's okay. That's okay. I'm going to start. Okay. Yeah, the, and like I said, it seemed to be okay until towards the end, so maybe it just started getting a little out of sync. Um, but we can just chalk that up to drinking. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, my I, my response time is a little bit delayed right now as it is. So, But you notice I got through the whole ending – without really messing up. That's impressive, right? No, I was proud of you. <laughs> you know, 
You only messed up the the first <laughs> sentence. There's a second <laughs> sentence that you had to say, and then you were good the rest of the time. You yeah, know? yeah. Because <laughs> Usually I wanted... it's the other way around. It's... <laughs> I know, I know. I wanted to show you that that I could be a you know professional drunk. I I didn't have to mess up you know every time. <laughs> well, this thing goes down easy. This is the most I've drank during a podcast in quite a while. I know, um, I know. It's it's an easy drinker for sure. Hey, it's Shayward from Open Forum Radio here. want to go ahead and take a second to say thank you for checking out this episode of Tap the Craft. And I would like to encourage each of you to check out some of the other shows that we have here on the Open Forum Radio Podcast Network. Uh, we'll start it off with the original Open Forum Radio, The 40Cast, Prove Your Point, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, My Peanut Gallery, The Married Gamers, Some Other Castle, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Just Press Start, Platform Junkies, and Jobbers on the Mic. Hey, be cool. Give a great review to all the shows you like on iTunes, Podbay, Stitcher, everywhere you can give reviews. Review every show five times, and you are officially a good listener. Also, go ahead and visit openforumradio.com, links to all the different shows. Uh, like the Open Forum Radio Facebook page, and... Uh, Take a second, if you like playing games online and with people and are cool, to uh, go ahead and look at Zabari's Gamer Information Spreadsheet. Fully useful information that will do nothing but enhance your online gaming experience. Alright folks, take it easy. Have a good day.